It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with Bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome on in to Locked On Auburn. Fun show today. It's a crossover episode as we will be joined by Josh Ward with Locked On Vols, previewing everything that you need to know, both Auburn and Vols fans, um, for Saturday's matchup at Jordan-Hare Stadium at 6 o'clock. So let's jump into that as Josh takes us into it. It is a crossover edition. Very excited for this one with Tennessee-Auburn this week here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Zach Blackerby, I'm Josh Ward. And uh, Zach, I, I thought we'd look at kind of the big picture lead into this game as Auburn's had a few weeks off, had the shutdown for a few days last week. Tennessee's had yeah. two bye weeks in three weeks and is coming in off a four-game losing streak. So Kind of a, a funny time, isn't it? It's a funny year, but uh, for both of these teams to try to get back onto into some kind of direction here in the final month of the season. Yeah, and I, I tell you, what, I mean, the bye week and then the extra bye week that they had with, with uh, Mississippi State not being able to have enough players to play this past Saturday really comes at a terrible time for the Auburn Tigers. On Halloween, they took on LSU, had their biggest win over LSU in program history. The, the week before, Bo Nix and the offense looked really good against Ole Miss, even though everybody's offense looks good against Ole Miss. But uh, I think you finally kind of saw this team have an identity and some positive momentum, and then you got two bye weeks, and now it's like, okay, have they lost it? Is the momentum still going? I don't think it's going to be possible to predict this until um, until they take the field at Jordan-Hare and, and, and host the Volunteers on Saturday, but... Auburn fans look at this as, as a negative as far as all of that time off. And so we'll see. Also, I think the loss to, uh, to Tennessee at Jordan-Hare a few years ago, I mean, that was until a few weeks ago when, when, when Auburn lost to South Carolina. I mean, this was, uh, this was the worst loss of Malzahn's career. And so, you know, how much is that playing to effect mentally going into this game? Um, Auburn fans kind of feeling all over, a place, all over the place about this. I mean, how has the extra time off impacted, uh, impacted Tennessee? Yeah, see, my thought is you can go both ways on both sides. On Tennessee's side, Tennessee needed extra work because the Vols have just really struggled yeah. here recently. Even having come off that Arkansas game with a nice first half, the third quarter was a disaster, and the second half of games have been overall terrible for Tennessee. So they needed extra work, and Jared Garantano was probably going to be unavailable because of his head injury, so it allowed extra practice time for young quarterbacks and then time to figure out this week what you want to do with the position. Uh, also, Tennessee was set to play Texas A&M, and that game probably just wasn't going to go well for the Vols, if we're going to be realistic. Sure. Uh, now they still have to play it at the end of the season as of now, so at some point you have to play that game. But Tennessee needed extra practice time. They needed extra work, and I think that can be a positive. But you also still look at Tennessee, I think, going into a game where uh, there is a uh, lot of pressure here because if this game doesn't go well for Tennessee, then that extra time – probably will not have paid off, at least in terms of getting a lot better on the scoreboard with Florida and Texas A&M still coming up. Uh, but this you know, this Auburn game, it is one where I look at two years ago and say, well, some of these players were playing then, and they can say, well, okay, we went to Auburn two years ago as bigger underdogs yeah. and won the game. We're a better team now, assuming that's true. 
Uh, but for Auburn, I would think on the other side, maybe that game two years ago helps Gus Malzahn make sure that his players take Tennessee seriously considering the Vols are coming in with a, a four-game winning streak. So I kind of go back and forth, Zach, when I try to figure out yeah. the, the mind games of this game. What do you think about the opening line? It was, it was minus 10 for Auburn, and now it's moved to 10 and a half. That's mm-hmm. a ton of points. I was shocked when I saw it that high. You know, it's, fun, it's funny for you to say that because in Knoxville, I think the reaction was that's not enough points. Considering, oh, really? Yeah, just how things have gone. So okay. that, I think, tells you where the mood is. I do a TV show uh, each Sunday in Knoxville okay. where we look ahead to the next week. And uh, we have uh, his name's uh, Chuck Cavalleris. He sets the the line for the next week. So it's his own line. And he set it at 12 and a half. Okay. And by the way, a lot of the panel went... Uh, with Auburn on that, I took Tennessee just because I figured the line was a little bit higher than what it would be, uh, but I didn't do that with great confidence. And, and mm-hmm. that's part of the issue is that on Tennessee side, there's just there's not a lot of confidence on either side of the ball. The offense hasn't been able to score points, and the defense, maybe not for four quarters, but at different times, has just allowed points. And I wonder, you know, Auburn if they can just attack throughout, you know, they'll probably be able to have a little more consistent success than like Arkansas was. Our, Arkansas had three quarters uh, being shut out on offense, but they put up 24 points in the third quarter, and that was all they needed, more than all they needed against Tennessee. But if Auburn has everything figured out and runs and throws consistently and takes care of the ball, then Tennessee's, to me, going to have a tough time keeping up. If Tennessee can force some turnovers and play better offensively like it did two years ago, that was such a huge part of it, wasn't it, that Tennessee's defense was able to force some mistakes by Stidham and take the ball away and then hit some plays down the field. And that, to me, is what Tennessee's going to try to do coming up this week. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned that Tennessee-Arkansas game, and we talked about that game a little bit here on Locked on Auburn, mainly because what you guys had an off week, and then you you play Arkansas, and, and, and you didn't really look that good. I mean, that's a concern at some point, right? Yeah, sure. And that's why um, I, I think a lot of fans are sitting here saying, okay, great, had another off week, but what did that do for us yeah. in the Arkansas game? Which right. is an understandable reaction because that was two weeks to get ready for a team that just doesn't have the same level of talent as Tennessee. And uh, that's not to take away from uh, Sam Pittman and He's Arkansas and what they've done. Job, if anything, though. it's a credit. That, yeah. that, you know, To me, they're playing above their heads. Right. Uh, but still, Tennessee had two weeks to get ready for that game, and that was the result. And that's why I think a lot of people are – understandably saying, all right, you got to show it to me to really believe that this off week is going to pay off. Like, you know, you know, when you get to the, the bye week and a lot of the attention turns to the young players, Hey, it's more practice reps for these young guys. And then you get out in the game and well, they're still standing on the sidelines. So I think fans are rightly skeptical that uh, there is going to be more young talent on the field trying to help make plays. And I'm curious, there's a lot of talk about these freshman receivers that can make plays. Tennessee's offense has been, uh, it's really it's really struggled, and it has not really had any explosive plays. And Tennessee had a senior, Brandon Kennedy, uh, the center, former Alabama uh, center, who said, yeah, the biggest thing these freshmen do is hit explosive plays. So fans are saying, well, where have they been? Why, why aren't they out there on the field? <laughs> yeah. And that's a reasonable question to me. One of them has been, Jalen Hyatt, but uh, and he's a guy to watch this week for Tennessee at wide receiver. But is there anybody else that will be out there making plays? Tennessee needs it badly. And, of course, there's the the quarterback question. If you want to move into that part of it, Zach, we can. Is uh, Harrison Bailey is a freshman quarterback, highly touted for Marietta, that hasn't played that much, hasn't really practiced that much with the ones or twos, but got some time last week because of Garantano's head injury against Arkansas. Now Garantano's back practicing, right? But uh, we don't know exactly what Tennessee is going to do. My guess right now would be that Garantano starts, 
and Bailey's the number two, but that has not been decided officially. I think this is the first time the staff has at least considered giving Harrison Bailey some kind of real opportunity. Right, right. And I think um, I think Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator for Auburn, I feel like he would much rather play a younger guy than an experienced guy like Garantano. I mean, freshman quarterbacks have not done well against his defenses in the past. I mean, how much of that do you factor going into it? I think it's a big factor. I think when you talk about freshman quarterbacks, uh, especially when we're talking about them really making their big debut, he's played in two games, but uh, we haven't we haven't really seen Harrison running the full offense in a, a regular spot. There's the excitement of the unknown, but there's the fear of the unknown, right? Especially if he's going up against a defense that's pretty good and a defensive coordinator that's a, a veteran that's had a lot of success. For Jeremy Pruitt and for Jim Chaney, I'm sure that that creates a lot of stress and probably holds their confidence back. They haven't shown much confidence in him, barely any really to this point. So that's why I'm still skeptical. And that's why I still say they're more likely to go with a veteran and then if in Garantano, and then if things don't go well with him, give the freshman a shot. They've given Brian Maurer an opportunity uh, a little bit, and he really struggled. JT Stroud went in against Kentucky, was uh, was terrible in a, a brief appearance and they had to go back to Garantano again so my guess is that they lean with the veteran and if they need to make a change that's when Harrison Bailey would get his shot that's my guess right now we'll continue our conversation with Josh in just a moment today's show brought to you by our great friends at Frisky Whiskey one uh I'll say 100,000 10,000 square feet of uh, a great selection of wine, beer, tobacco, liquor, lottery all kinds of stuff your one-stop shop for all of it and uh, an incredible price, incredible service, and just 15 minutes away from the Auburn Opelika community. Just hop on the interstate, and right when you get into Georgia, it'll be there on your right. You'll see the billboards for it. Just look uh, look for Frisky Whiskey, and they will take care of you. Can't stress enough um, how great of a company they are to work with. That's where I go to get all of my um, my spirits and my you know liquor and all all, all of that stuff. So. Highly encourage you to type in Frisky Whiskey in your phone's GPS and check them out, especially if you are in the East Alabama, West Georgia. I mean, very, very great location. Highly recommend it. Frisky Whiskey. Do you ever feel like you're always on? Well, what do you do when you need a moment to chill? Personally, there's only one beer out there that's made to chill, and uh, that's Coors Light. So I have, uh, I have no problem walking over to the refrigerator, taking out a nice cold Coors Light, and relaxing. I mean, watching sports is therapeutic to fans. Uh, my wife and I, you know, we, we watch all kinds of TV shows, but it's always nicer when uh, you got a little Coors Light action happening. Mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So, Josh, regardless of who's at quarterback for the Vols, and it may change more than I think it does, I'll let you answer that, but how do you anticipate this Tennessee offense attacking this Auburn defense on Saturday? My guess is that Tennessee tries to continue to run the football, and Eric Gray had a really good performance against Arkansas. He's a really talented player, a sophomore that was a high school All-American. He was their bowl game MVP, and he can hit big plays. He's not a he's not a big back, but with Ty Chandler injured a couple of weeks ago, Gray carried the ball 30 times and was the workhorse in the offense, 
And Chandler's a guy to pay attention to if he's back from an ankle injury. He's somebody that benefited from another week off. That gives them more of a one-two punch. And then I think they try play action. They try to hit shots down the field. I just can't sit here and predict that Tennessee is much different on offense in terms of what they're trying to do until I see much change. So yeah. uh, a lot of running the football, a lot of play action, and uh, a lot of shots down the field. But can they be more creative in trying to get the ball to to Jalen Hyatt or to running backs out of the backfield? That's at least something to pay attention to on the offensive side. Tennessee's offensive line was built to be something really good this season. It's been good at times. It hasn't been good enough. So that that's the group. If it plays really well, Tennessee's offense can be much better, I think. And I think when you look at uh, you know matchups as far as position group, uh, against position group, I think that's going to be the group for Tennessee that really needs to stand out is that offensive line. Because they've got the mm-hmm. talent. I mean, they're all four- and five-star guys up front. I mean, ridiculously talented um, from a recruiting standpoint. Going up against an Auburn defensive line that, you know, all offseason the big question was, okay, you lose Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson up front to the NFL draft, and it's like, all right, how much of a drop-off is there going to be? And the coaches say there's not going to be one. And then you ask the players and media availability, like, yeah, they're you, you know really not noticing that they're gone. It's like, oh, okay, we heard it so much, Josh, that we started to believe it. And then, uh, then Kentucky, you know, week one, they were able to run all over us, and then Georgia ran all over us. They did whatever they wanted. They've gotten better. They've gotten better over the course of the season, but I think that is the weakness of this Auburn defense, and it's weird for us to be able to say that, you know, this far into Kevin Steele's tenure as defensive coordinator for Auburn because we just haven't seen that during his time here. But I think if Tennessee is going to come into Auburn and pull off the upset again, it's going to be the guys up front. It's going to be running the football, getting five, six yards of carry, keeping that defense on the field. Because, one, I mean, this 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 happened before the COVID outbreak that we saw a week and a half or two weeks ago. So, like, we don't know who exactly is out for this Auburn defense on Saturday. Malzahn said there would be guys missing time this Saturday due to quarantine rules in the SEC. So they're going to be thinner. And Auburn, normally they rotate a ton of defensive linemen, and then they usually rotate three or four linebackers. And they're just not really doing that. They're keeping two linebackers on the field, running a ton of nickel, and it's kind of the same like 15 or 16 guys playing all 11 of these slots. I mean, it's just not – It's it, over the course of the game – these guys are exhausted. So I think if Tennessee can kind of speed the game up, let that clock keep ticking and ticking and ticking and keeping the ball on the ground and just pound it with these long drives, I think that's how Tennessee wins on Saturday. Yeah, how much does the player availability question, how much does it affect how you try to predict what's going to happen, try to figure out what Auburn's going to do, especially on the defensive side? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, a yeah. lot, lot of Auburn fans very paranoid with some of the guys that – that could uh, that could be missing. Um, we kind of have been able to read between the lines as far as different position groups that appear to have been affected during fall camp. Auburn had one outbreak about a week and a half, two weeks into fall camp. Uh, they kind of shut things down for about a week and then got things back going. And they haven't had a positive case since then. And then you know a week and a half to two weeks ago is when all of that kind of kind of hit the fan. So I don't think we're going to see as many on the offensive line in the defensive backfield, just kind of reading between the lines as far as practice availability and all that in the past. So um, I think uh, I think you may see there's a chance that you see something on the defensive front, which would be a huge deal. And then Auburn, I think Auburn had one of the best linebacking corps going into the season, but Chandler Wooten opted out. 
And uh, and then K.J. Britt is, is hurt, and he will not be available for Saturday's game, according to Malzahn earlier this week. He's still week-to-week. Uh, week. Um, so, I mean, if, if, if it hit the linebacker room, Auburn's in big trouble. Very, very big trouble, just because they're stuck only having to play two linebackers uh, even when everyone is healthy. Zacoby McClain, Owen Papo, they've both been incredible, but they're having to play all the time. And so if something happens to them, there's going to be a massive drop-off at that second level of the defense. But Malzahn is, uh, I mean, really all the coaches have been pretty hush-hush about you know which players have COVID and which ones don't and all that, as they should. You know They have that right. And I know there's some some laws that, that are that are tied to that as well, but it's just a guessing game at this point, right, Josh? I mean, I I just yeah. I I don't think we can predict who has COVID, but that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I understand. Uh, if you want to, we can switch to the other side. And I'm curious, would you take a similar approach in what Auburn wants to do offensively? Is it is it run the football? Where are things with the the running game? And then also, Bo Nix now halfway through his second season there at quarterback, coming off a, a really good offensive performance against LSU with the yardage and and the balance it seemed that the uh, Auburn Tigers were able to put up against LSU. Yeah, I mean, for the first time in Bo Nix's career, receivers are getting open. And how much of that was Chad Morris's scheme kind of setting in and they, they figured it out? How much of that is the receivers getting better and more comfortable? How much of it is the last two games they've played have been against Ole Miss and LSU and they can't cover anybody? So, I mean, it, it could be a little bit of all of those things. As far as what Auburn wants to do on Saturday, my prediction – Assuming they have, you know, everyone available offensively, um, yeah, I mean, Tank Bigsby's the guy. Tank Bigsby is, you know, Auburn believes he is one of the best fr- uh, freshman running backs in the country, and maybe one he of the best. He looks really good. He's so good, man, and four just looks good on a running back. So, um, yeah, he's been really impressive with everything. They take him off the field on third down. You'll see DJ Williams in on third down. They'll flex him out to X um, for some receiving action, and then they'll motion him in. DJ Williams is one of the best um, pass-blocking running backs in all of college football. So you'll see him on passing situations for that reason. So folks wonder, well, why, why aren't they using Tank on third down? That's, um, that's why. But yeah, I mean, obviously any quarterback uh, is going to be more comfortable when you have a competent running game, and you've seen that with Bo Nix. Um, and so I think that's kind of kind of what it comes down to. We will continue our conversation with Josh in just a moment. Today's show brought to you by the best-tasting protein bar Ever. Yes, I am talking about Built Bar, and it's new and improved, uh, covered 100% in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They've also got new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake are a few of them, as well as 12 original flavors, including coconut, which apparently is the way to go, toffee almond, orange, mint brownie, all kinds of stuff. And all these bars, they taste delicious. They taste like a candy bar, but they're good for you. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. Perfect for the health-conscious guy or gal listening to this show. You can uh, you can go and get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Just use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, no spaces, LOCKEDON, to get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. 
How's Tennessee stopped this Auburn attack in, uh, in your mind? Well, to me, the biggest thing that Tennessee's needed to work on as this season has gone along has been pass rush up front. Tennessee fired its defensive line coach after four games this season, which was pretty controversial. Now Jeremy Pruitt is coaching the defensive line. And at this point, he's been coaching the defensive line, I guess, as long as the previous coach was at the start of the season, not counting fall camp, I guess. But uh, can Tennessee be more effective up front? Because that's just been a challenge. The Vols had to replace Daryl Taylor, who's a really good player, second-round pick by the Seahawks. And it's I, I thought going into the year, Tennessee would be more disruptive by committee. I thought that they would be able to figure out more ways to get guys into opposing backfields. It happened in the fourth quarter against Arkansas, but was that because of where the game was? Arkansas was doing some funny stuff, I thought, considering the lead that the Razorbacks had. But to me, that that's uh, that's a lot of it. The defensive line has to play better. So we're, we're kind of still having the same conversation, just flipping sides of the ball, aren't we? Yeah. With what Auburn's trying to figure out. Uh, Tennessee, can it be good enough along the defensive line? Can it get after Bo Nix and try to create some mistakes by putting pressure on him? That, to me, is a lot of it. But if Arkansas was able to run at Tennessee – I think Auburn's going to look and say, hey, we can run the ball here and let's just go at him and see if Tennessee can stop us. And if they do, then adjust from there. But to me, that would be my guess is that Auburn tries to uh, just r- run with success against Tennessee's defense. And if it if it happens early, do it all game long because other teams have been able to do that. Tennessee's defense is OK, but uh, it, it's not as good as I thought that it would be at the beginning of the season. Uh, it's definitely not as good as Jeremy Pruitt thought. I'm sure his expectations, right. considering his background, were higher than mine. Has Tennessee played a receiver similar to Seth Williams this year? And if so, how did that turn out? You know, uh, Jeremy Pruitt was talking about Schwartz, by the way, just how concerned he is with his speed. Interesting. Um, Arkansas had a, uh, in the first half, Arkansas didn't do too much on offense. And then to their big receiver, big play down the field, uh, about 60 yards. And um, at corner, Tennessee does have Bryce Thompson, who I think is, uh, one of their best players. I think he's a, a solid defender. He's played hurt a lot of the season, so he's a tough player. He's active. He lines up but, everywhere, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, okay. uh, he's, he's lined up at safety, at nickel, at corner. Uh, he's, he's a good player. He's a really good athlete. Sure. But they've struggled on the other side. So, actually, one question is the health of Elante Taylor. He had a, a hamstring issue that kept him out a couple of weeks ago. And having two more weeks to get ready should help because Kenneth George got picked on um, against Arkansas. Tennessee's senior at nickel, Sean Schamberger, he wasn't there at the start of the season. That's why they tried out different guys, including Thompson. He's not with the team for the rest of the season. So you might see Theo Jackson, who's converted safety. You might see Keith Lawrence, who's a true freshman. Mm-hmm. I'm throwing a bunch of names at you here for Auburn fans to know about, but uh, that's part of the issue, actually, for Tennessee. They've had to shuffle, and the secondary just hasn't been what I think Jeremy Pruitt thought that it would be I thought that it had maybe the highest ceiling on Tennessee's defense of what the secondary could be, and it just hasn't hasn't really paid off that way. At safety, they've struggled at times. So um, that, that's a question I have. Could uh, Can Tennessee stop giving up the big play? They were great. They were the best in the SEC last year at avoiding plays of 30-plus yards, and uh, that's not been the case this year with, with Tennessee's defense. And that comes back to pass rush as well. If you're not able to be disruptive – and you have some questions on the back end, well, you're going to get picked on it at, at different times. And I think a key element, and you talked about it with Tennessee's defensive front, I mean, this Auburn offensive line was really, really bad against Georgia. I mean, so bad. I mean, Auburn fans are calling for Bo Nix to get benched and Gus Malzahn to get fired and, and all that. I'm like, great. We're like three games into the year. We're already off to the start. That's fantastic. Right. But 
Um, it, it didn't look much better against South Carolina, and Auburn dropped that game. Probably the worst loss of Malzahn's career, and it kind of got worse after we saw what's happened in South Carolina and them letting go of, um, of Muschamp. But, the, uh, I mean, moving forward, though, they've gotten significantly better over the course of the season. It's like they finally hit their stride, right? And then their best offensive lineman, grad transfer from Akron, um, Brandon Council was his name, or is his name, and he, um, he, he's out for the season due to an injury. And so they bring in Keandre Jones at right guard, and there hasn't been much of a drop-off. I mean, the offensive line has really found kind of some continuity there. Now, once again, they were going up against Ole Miss and LSU while they were together, and they were able to kind of, I mean, those were the best two games of the season for both of them. Tennessee, I think, uh, is better up front than both of those teams. And I think it's going to be a good measuring point for uh, for both of these units, both Tennessee's defensive line and Auburn's offensive line, just to see, okay, what's the line of scrimmage look like on Saturday? I think um, I think the two weeks off, you can make the argument that it helps them, but I, I don't think it does. Malzahn talked about the continuity. You know, they're getting more more confident with each other's actions along the offensive front over these few weeks off. But I'm uh, I'm skeptical. I, I think bye weeks, you know, do some good. I think two bye weeks in a row is not great. So I think um, I think once again, I mean, if Tennessee is going to pull off the upset at Jordan Hare Stadium, it's going to be uh, on the line of scrimmage, regardless of who has the football. Can they uh, can they kind of draw up some stunts up front to confuse this inexperienced offensive line? Because I think a lot of it with this Auburn offensive line is they're not necessarily getting beat physically. It's a mental thing where they're just not blocking certain people. It's not like they're getting beat off their blocks and then they're going to, you know, and Bo Nix is getting sacked or flushed out of the pocket. It's, okay, they send five and, you know, two guys are blocking one guy and everybody else is being single team and then there's a guy that's just running free. So I think think a big key for Tennessee to get to Bo Nix is just to be creative on these stunts and these blitzes. That's going to be a big thing that I'm watching for on Saturday. Well, Zach, as we kind of wrap up this crossover edition, I've enjoyed it. Locked on Auburn and locked on Vols here. It sounds like we both think that it could be a closer, more competitive game than the the Vegas point spread indicates. Are you seeing it that way going in as we wrap things up? Yeah, yeah. I'll give my score here. I'm thinking Auburn 27, Tennessee 17. I'm I'm right at that line where um where uh where Vegas is. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. You know. as earlier in the week, I was thinking 24-13 um, if, if it gets a little sloppier because um, I think both teams are going to want to run the ball. And it's going to shorten the game. So that's kind of the, the area that I'm thinking. What are you thinking, Josh? Uh, I'm probably similar to you. I don't have a final score prediction yet, but I said on uh, our earlier show on Locked on Vols this week, I do feel like it's going to be more competitive. I think Tennessee will play a little bit better. I do wonder about some rust for Auburn. Yeah. It, too, too much time off can end up being a problem except for the the physical part in terms of uh, getting healthy. But I also, I mean, it, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times at this point with Tennessee. So mm-hmm. uh, as underdogs, picking them to win just doesn't, uh, it doesn't sound like the right move. Maybe I changed my mind before the end of the week. So right now I lean Auburn winning the game in, in a, a bit of a closer matchup, uh, probably by about a touchdown. Well, Josh, uh, for all the Auburn folks listening, what's the best way for them to uh, find all of your Tennessee coverage if they kind of want to get a peek behind enemy lines? 
Yeah, Locked on Vols is a daily podcast like Locked on Auburn, so you can uh, check out any of the episodes from this week if you want to hear a little bit more about the Vols heading into the game. And I'm on social media at Josh underscore Ward on Twitter. And uh, I'll ask Zach you the same question for Tennessee fans if they want to learn a little bit more about Auburn. Yeah, of course, Josh. You said it, Locked on Auburn, wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby on pretty much all of the, the social medias. Josh, I really enjoyed this, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, same here. Thanks, Zach. We will wrap up this week's edition of Locked on Auburn with a Ferg Friday tomorrow. Shoot us questions, 205-502-4285, if you got a question for Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer. We'll see you tomorrow to wrap up the week right here on Locked on Auburn. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.